I feel like it's been a while since we've been like a full group. It's cool to see every, all, all these faces. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see y'all. I'm excited for camp. Uh, I cannot, I cannot explain to you how fun it is for me to be a part of youth ministry. Um, but we are going to continue on in our series that we've been doing all summer long. So we've been doing our spiritual discipline series. Um, we've been talking about all the things that 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 um, really help us grow closer to Christ. I'll reiterate a few things. One of the things I keep saying, and I think it's very necessary to say, these, these spiritual disciplines that we're using are not laws. They're not, they don't create salvation. They're not necessary to know God uh, and, and go to heaven in, in, in a biblical sense, but they are a, an avenue that allows us to grow deeper. Okay, so, so don't hear me when I say this. This is not a law-based religion. We, we believe in love. We believe in grace. We believe that Jesus died on the cross that we may be free. Okay, so, so l- let me say this. The purpose of disciplines is freedom. Okay, so the purpose of having spiritual disciplines is freedom. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go through some of the ones we've already done, and I'll explain why, okay? So one of the spiritual disciplines that we did was prayer, okay? So prayer, being in deeper prayer creates communion with God, which creates freedom. Fasting, realizing your dependence and, de- and deciphering what actually matters creates freedom, Study. Understanding who God is on a deeper level creates freedom. Simplicity. Removing distractions to gain focus and clarity on who God made you to be creates freedom. Solitude, which was our last week's one. Returning to a healthy state of mind to allow grace and love creates freedom. Right. So the last one we just did was solitude. And, and I said this last week, and I'll say it again. When I spend solitude, when I spend alone time with God, when I spend a, a moment in which I remove myself from a lot of distractions, it's so much easier for me to give grace to those that maybe I would have been frustrated with. So much easier to respond in love instead of knee-jerk anger. It's so much easier for me to, to uh, respond in a way that is more allowing of some, you know, buffer zone where I could have been really mean. That's freedom. And a lot of these things, all of these things, create freedom because it allows us to be who God's made us to be, but they, they create this, okay? Um, so a, a, a practical example of freedom is this, okay? So my wife, uh, for whatever reason, uh, is a huge fan of MTV. <laughs> I don't really know why. She's been a huge fan of MTV since, like, before I knew her, like 2007, okay? And, for, and, and it started with Teen Mom. She's followed every season and every episode of Teen Mom since it began. Please don't judge her. She's a great woman, okay? But, but anyways, but she loves all these MTV shows, um, and there's all these weird shows, and some of them give me, like, hives. Like, one of them is Hoarders. That show freaks me out. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. There's this show. It's like a documentary of people that fill their house with crap and, like, die in it. It's a, like they just hoard, and Hannah like loves watching this, and I think she just likes like the social experiment, but they just like fill their house with garbage and then die in it. And I'm like, I, why are we watching this TV show of real people doing this? Okay? But one of her most favorite shows is a show called 600 Pound, My 600 Pound Life. That show freaks me out the, the most of all the shows, that show, because it's, it, it's, a, it's, you know, this is reality. These are real people. These are like documentary a documentary of like these real people that are 600 plus pounds and it's crazy okay so th- these people um got into a habit of eating way more than they should have to a place where their body got 
more than 600 pounds. And, and the sad thing is, and this is why I don't like watching the show, because it, it's not really interesting to me. It just makes me sad. But the sad thing is, is they can't walk. They can't, they can't like, work a job. They can't drive. They can't have children most of the time. Like, they have all these things. But the reality is, is that they, start, they started on a lie that eating feels good, and I want this, and, and I'm going to do it to serve myself. And they didn't have discipline, and they felt like they had the freedom to do so. They felt like they had the ability to do so, so they ate, ate, and ate. And all of a sudden, they're in shackles, and they're not free. They can't drive. They can't walk. There's no freedom because of lack of discipline. And, and the reality is, is that the word discipline tastes really bad in our mouths. It, it has a really uh, strange, unfortunate, negative connotation where we're like, oh, I don't really like discipline. I don't really want to be disciplined. But the lack of discipline creates shackles. And, and, and so we're, we're going to, the reason why I give you this kind of this intro to what we're doing tonight, because the word, I'm, the new discipline we're going to talk about tonight is one that doesn't really seem that exciting, doesn't seem like that great, and in fact kind of sounds dirty, but, but in our own minds it feels like it's going to shackle us, but it's the word submission. So we're going to be talking about the topic of submission, and nobody likes that word. Nobody's like, yay, Submission. I mean, there's, there's so much scripture, there's so much, um, you know, b- biblical background of, of what this means, but I'm, I'm going to take some time in, into this, okay? So I, I'll be honest, some of you have heard a little bit of my testimony, but I, I really struggled with submission. Um, I don't really love corporate uh, gatherings, like things like that, just sometimes like corporate laws and things. Sometimes I struggle with it. I'm like, why? Don't tell me what to do. You don't know me, right? It's easy to feel that way. I remember going to uh, Christian college out of high school, and I... Uh, I came from a huge public high school. I grew up in Chicago. I came, my, my graduating class was 1,200 people, just my senior class. So I grew up with just a lot of people. And so I went to this tiny Christian college. And when I went to this Christian college, I had curfew. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm 18. Don't tell me when to go to bed. And, and I, I couldn't go to a certain girl's dorm room because there was, like, gender restrictions. I'm like, don't tell me where I can go and not go. And all these things, and it started building up, and I had all these rules, and it was frustrating, and I had a hard time not being mad at the system. I'm like, who do you think I am? I'm 18. And it's funny, because I was contrasting and comparing a lot of these things, because I had a lot of good friends who went to IU, a lot of good friends who went to uh, University of Illinois, and, and they were out just doing whatever. They had no rules and no laws, and they could just be. And I remember being like, wow, it's weird. Like, I have to be, I, like, I get checked in. Like, I literally had to sign in with an ID that got scanned into my dorm room on certain nights by certain times, I'm like, am I in prison? <laughs> it certainly felt like it at certain times. And so I'm like, man, this is crazy. This is such a weird contrast. Um, and, and I just struggled with it. And, 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 and you know, it's funny, the, the older I got and the more I spent time in college, sophomore, junior year came, and I started realizing how beneficial it was. Because the reality was, and I'm not hating on public school, I think public school is great. I think you can do a lot of great things at public school, but the reality was is I started seeing my friends who went to public school who had no, um, who had no rules, who had no regulations, who had no uh, way to guide and protect them, um, started suffering physically, didn't do well in their grades uh, academically, didn't, didn't really uh, make good friendships, and, and they started kind of, kind of grading out. Whereas I found myself even though I started gaining maturity and I started being like, wow, these, these regulations, these, these laws, these walls around me all of a sudden started making me more of a man. 
And it was interesting to me because all of a sudden I became grateful. I was like, that, that, that curfew, which was super annoying at one point, all of a sudden seemed like something that I'm really glad and grateful that it created something in me that had a standard that followed Christ. Right? And, 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 and so there's that. And, and I look at it now, and as a parent, it becomes even more apparent. Pardon my pun. Um, my son, Milo, some of you guys have met him. He's a beautiful stinker. Um, but he, he has just recently started getting out of bed. Uh, and, and by that, I mean like he's climbing out of bed in the middle of the night when, when he shouldn't be. So the other night, we, it, it was like 3, 4 a.m. Naturally, we were dead asleep. And we're just sleeping, and we just hear like, <laughs> and I get out of bed swinging. Like, I, I, I keep an axe by my bed because I'm a little paranoid. <laughs> and I, I am terrified. I mean, because like, the proximity of this voluminous banging literally nearly made me leap like a cat out of my bed. And I'm walking around, and my first instinct is like, someone's in my house. I, I, I did pick up an axe. Okay? So, just so you know, something's coming for you. You're going to the Balt's house. Okay. So, I'm walking around. And my first instinct was to go check the boys because they have each, their, their rooms are right outside our, our bedroom. So I, I go to Milo's, which is first. And as I'm opening Milo's bedroom door, I knock him over. <laughs> he was standing there. So he, he wears what's called a sleep sack. I don't know if you know what a sleep sack is. It's, imagine like a giant blanket where it only has arms, but it's like a potato sack below. So he has to like hop because it doesn't have like legs. So he's wearing, so that's why he couldn't move. So I like opened up the door and just smacked him down on accident with the doorknob. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh. So, so my, I realized Milo had just gotten up and beat the door real loud. Okay, so I'm like, okay, no one's trying to murder us. It's just my son. Okay, so I pick him up and he says, all done sleeping. I'm like, no. <laughs> my beloved child, it's 3 a.m. You are not all done sleeping. Okay? So I pick him up, we sing a song, and I put him down, and I like, he has a lot of things he likes. He has several forest creatures that are stuffed animals that he likes to hug before he goes back to sleep. And all this, I do his routine, and we're like going back to bed, and he looks at me and says, Dada, all done sleeping. I'm like, no, son. <laughs> no, no, no. So we, I close the door, and he goes back to sleep. And you know what's funny? We, we have a baby monitor. I'm, I'm not sure if you know what that means. Like, it's like a camera that we can see him. Like, literally two, min two minutes later, out like a light. Okay, so the reality was he was not all done sleeping. He was very tired. It was the middle of the night. He needed sleep. It was not time for him to wake up. And he, if he were to be awake from then on, the rest of our day would have been a living hell, right? Because he would have been cranky, crying, biting, whatever. Children are crazy. So, so the reality was he didn't know best. He thought he knew. He, he, he made this, and so he needed to realize that what I had for him was better than what he had for himself, because I knew better than him. Submitting to my leadership in his life, even though he thought he knew, wasn't beneficial. It would have ended poorly for him. And, and I think the reality is, is that we live in, in a world, and in, in, in humanity, where we are like all done sleeping, Dad, and God's like, son... No, you're not. I have so much more for you. There, there, there are more things for you. You need to submit to my leadership, okay? So, so, so let, let's go to, to James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, starting in verse 5, it says this. Do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs 
for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The the, the door hinge of this scripture is this. God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's, it's really, really easy to have pride. It's really easy to feel like we owe, or we're owed something, that we deserve something, that we know better. Guys, like, I, I'm not that removed from being in high school to know exactly what goes on in your brains when it comes to relationships with such people as your parents and, and maybe your teachers. We're like, they don't know what I'm going through. They don't know what school looks like. They don't know what my social life is and the pressures that it brings. They don't understand who I am right now, and they just don't give me enough credit. They, they don't give me enough freedom. They don't understand who I am and who I want to be. And all of a sudden, it's really easy to start coming up with these, these reasons of they, they, they don't understand. And I get it. I've been there. I've had those thoughts. I've, I've, I've really struggled with those myself. But the reality is, is they do. And, and, and the decisions they make and the decisions that leadership makes, the, the decisions that God our Father makes, have a grander scope. I mean, I, I don't say this to sound insulting, but when I look back at myself at 16, I was an idiot. <laughs> like, thank God for growth, right? Like, I look back at the things I thought, the decisions I wanted to make and luckily couldn't, the things that I wanted, things I care about when I was 16, versus now and the wisdom God's given me with growth and, and immaturity, it's crazy. But then when I look at parents, like I, I know a lot of your parents, when I look at your parents when they're 40, 50 years old, and they have scope and they have reality and they can see, and they look out for you, it, it's really frustrating maybe sometimes when they're like, hey, you can't stay out to the mall until 11. Like, you're just not gonna. And it's not because they don't trust you or respect you or think you're less than. It's because they know better. And we can come up with a billion examples, but, but they, it, it, it's as if your parents love you and care for you, and, and they want the best for you. And, and sometimes it's not easy to submit. Sometimes it's not easy to give up control. And, and a lot of times it feels like you're giving up control in your own life. But the reality is it's sometimes necessary because you're not ready to make these decisions. It's not because you're not good enough. It's not because you're not smart. It's because someone outside of you has already failed and wants to help you not fail too. It's because they have scraped their face on the sidewalk and they say, hey, don't rub your face on the sidewalk. Seriously. It's because they're like, hey, I know how this ends. I've seen it before. Okay? So we're going to go to... um, 1 Peter chapter 5, it says this, humility, or it says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hands that he may lift you up in due time. Okay, so, so our previous passage, not this one, but the one before, it talks about humility, and this one does as well. Uh, you, you need to understand that humility is absolutely key in submission, and that y- you cannot hope to submit yourself to a leadership role, um, to a leader, to a parent, or whatever it may be, unless you understand that you must be humble. And, and what that means is you're, you're saying, I am trusting and understanding and giving you authority because I, I know that I, I, I have to because I, I, 
you know, I'm humble. I'm, hu- I'm humbling myself before you because it's biblical. And, and if you have an attitude of anger and pride and you're just going to fight your parents, let me save you some anguish. Listen to these words. Fighting your parents and being angry at them and causing all this drama doesn't end well for you. You're not going to get what you want. You're going to burn bridges and you're going to hurt yourself. The, the, the reality is, is that when, when you just fight your parents and like hold your fists tight and, and like get angry and all these things and your parents are just trying to love you, so, sometimes, I can say this with absolute authority, sometimes parents don't know exactly what they're doing, <laughs> but they love you. And they are looking out for you. And when you fight them and make things hard for them and just like want to make this some angry, bitter battle, it's not helpful, and it's not going to end well for you. It's not going to end well for anyone. And I, I just say this because it's so— it, b- biblical wisdom, understanding who God has made you to be, is respecting your authorities ahead of you, drinking in their wisdom, and using it to move forward. Foolishness is saying, no, I got it. Foolishness is saying, you don't know, I know better, and I'm 14. <laughs> That's foolishness. But it's easy. It's really easy, okay? Um, so we're going to read out of, out of Romans 7. Uh, chapter, or chapter 7, verse 4 says this. So, my friends, this is something like what has taken place with you. When Christ died, he took the entire rule-dominated way of life with him and left it in the tomb, leaving you free to marry a resurrected life and bear offspring of the faith for God. For as long as we lived that old way of life, doing whatever we felt we could get away with, sin was calling most of the shots as the old law code hemmed us in. As this made us all more rebellious, in the end, all we had to show for it was miscarriages and stillbirths. But now that we're no longer shackled to that domineering mate of sin, out of under that and out of, from under all those oppressive regulations and fine print, we are free to live a new life in the freedom of God. Let me paraphrase to you what was just said. So that's Romans, you know, this is Paul speaking. Basically what Paul is saying is we used to live under this law that we felt like we had to keep, uh, you know, we had to hold up to, and we did all these things, and we felt like we were good enough because we did these laws. But then underneath those laws, in secret, we were sinning and just doing whatever we felt like we could get away with, right? Like, it's really easy to be great on the surface, and it's really easy to get away with things under the surface. The, the problem is, is that when you get away with sin under the surface, you're in shackles. You'll get found out, it will end poorly for you, and you're in bondage. You're not free. You're just not. You're stuck. You will get found out. And, and what Paul is saying is, is that when we are free from, from our bondage, when we understand that we're not ca- called to be perfect Christians, when we're called to be a- alive in Christ, when we understand that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and we're that we, we, submitting to him is, is better than the bondage, all of a sudden those shackles get unlocked. And, and the world loves to tell us that, that Christianity is shackles, but the, the reality is the world is shackles. The reality is that when you try to be a good Christian, but you hide everything and you're stuck in sin and you're, you, you're struggling with all these things and you can't get out, 
Those are shackles. Being, being honest and accountable and aware of who you are and, and surrounding yourself with godly community, that's freedom. That's where you understand who God made you to be. And that's where you can live in honesty and truth. And that's when you can be free. And Paul is saying, stop hiding things. Stop being under this pretense that you can just put things under a blanket and get away with sin. Because the, the reality is it's really easy to, to, to think that we can get away with sin and hide it. Man, we think our blankets are so thick that we could just shove them over our sin. We believe it. We believe our blankets are so thick that no one will see past them. But your blankets will get eaten by moths. Jesus sees it. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that because I want you to understand that. I don't say that because I haven't ever had blankets. Because I have. I don't say that other than I'm asking and begging you to understand that Jesus is offering you freedom. He's offering you the ability to walk freely from your shackles to being free. And, and, you know, the freedom comes from submission. The freedom comes from understanding that Milo's better off getting a full night of sleep. The freedom is coming from understanding that, that the university I went to was looking out for my, my best good and that I actually came out better having a little bit of walls around me, a little bit of rules that I had to submit to. In the moment, it feels frustrating, but at the end, you're like, man. Like, I don't know if you know much about concrete. I've I, been dealing with concrete for a little bit lately. But if you don't have edges of concrete, you know, concrete hardens, right? Yeah, that's how we make roads and such, and concrete gets very hard. But when we lay concrete, you lay boundaries. Because if you don't lay concrete with boundaries, when you lay it, it's liquid, and it just gets spread out and does nothing. But when you lay boundaries around concrete, it gets thick and hard. And I, I think we have to view our submission to God a little bit like that, in that we, we need some solid boundaries around us, because otherwise we're going to be spread out and worthless. Not worthless, that sounds really mean. But you understand what I'm saying. Like, like we need some boundaries that are going to make us uh, like able to, to be held. And, and, and that's my prayer for you. Because in high school, you guys, this is a huge lesson. And I'm hoping I can save you from mistakes I made. Um, and, and it is biblical. And Jesus is calling out to you saying, I know better. I'm not insulting you, but you don't. You don't know better. You just don't. And Jesus is trying to help you. And, and I hope that um, the Holy Spirit will move through tonight, that, that you would understand that there, there is something greater and better for you. So with that being said, I'm going to close this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for just for the fact that we can rest in you, Lord. I'm, I'm so grateful for the ability to understand deeply, more and more every day who you are. Lord, and I pray that over every person in this room that we can be in your word. Lord, that we can submit to you. Lord, we're, we're so grateful we can submit to something better than ourselves. Uh, Lord, I just pray over the rest of the summer, I pray over summer camp that lives would be changed, that we could take one big, huge step towards you in a deep way, Lord, to understand who you've made us to be. I pray for safety. Uh, I pray for the end of the summer that we can end well and, and we can start the school year w- with a bang. Uh, Lord, we're so in love with you. We, we know so gratefully that you died on the cross for us. We pray these things in your name. Amen.